So I learned a little bit about church history this week. You may think that if you had a seminary, you learn everything. And if you're a pastor, you know all of church history and tradition and polity and theology. It's not the case. I learn things all the time. So for those of you that might think, because I stand here with well-prepared uh, sermons and research, that then I know everything that's so far from the truth. Uh, never be daunted by what you don't know. Just keep building on what you do know. And over a lifetime, it actually amounts to quite a lot of learning about the Lord. Um, so what I learned this week is that there's a thing called Eastertide. Does anybody know what Eastertide is? All right, we got one, one. English, Anglican roots, you would know what Eastertide is. This is bigger in those traditions of the Christian church. All right, so I don't feel so bad. You all just made me feel better about myself. Thank you. I'm not the only one who didn't know what this is. This is the season after Easter up to either the Ascension or Pentecost Sunday, and Roz can maybe even fill in more details, but it's kind of like continuing Easter celebration because what happened after Easter during that time? In history at that moment. Give me some details. What was happening right then? They were hiding out. There was some hiding going on. They were waiting. Waiting. Yeah. What else? What was happening in this season of Easter? Post-Easter. Conversations. Mm-hmm. They yeah. saw Jesus. They saw Jesus. He presented himself to... Yeah. to a bigger crowd too. Right, he appeared for 40 days, large numbers of people, individuals, twos, threes, fives. Mm -hmm. What else was happening during that time in Eastertide? The Jews are spreading a lie. Mm -hmm. The disciples had stolen body. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then at the end of these 40 days, then there's the ascension. He disappears from their sight and says, go and wait. Wait for the Spirit of God to be poured out on you. And you will go and you'll speak in my name to all the nations. So that's Pentecost Sunday. So it's kind of like this 40 days of uh, proximity to Jesus. Of the, the closest closeness they experienced. Because he was risen. All the things clicked finally that he had just been hinting at all along the way for years. Uh, their doubts were being put finally to rest to give them the courage they needed for what was coming next. And they were together, right? They were always together. Every time you see Jesus encountering them, it was with a room or it was two guys walking along a road having a conversation together or marrying the other women together or uh, Peter, James, John out fishing together. Like they, they were in this community time and Jesus was meeting there, them there again and again and again and again. It was special. And it was really the renewal that they needed for what was coming next. And so in this Eastertide season, it's supposed to be a season of fast, uh, feasting. It's the bookend to Lent. Lent is the 40 days leading up to Easter, and that's fasting. That's you know, remembering, reflecting the loss. And then you have this other season, this Eastertide season, which is celebrated by uh, Anglican churches as well as others. Um, Good Shepherd is a Reformed Episcopal church, but that basically is Anglican. It's a version of Anglicanism. So Church of England, Protestant Church, passed down tradition that way. That's their roots. And so I asked uh, Pastor Eduardo, do you celebrate Eastertide? He's like, it's funny that you should ask. The reason there are less chairs in the sanctuary today is because this Saturday coming, they have the whole downstairs set up having a sit-down feast to celebrate Eastertide. Eastertide has been the season of feasting. So if you would like to commence 40 days of feasting, you have the blessing of the church upon that. 
And actually, it wouldn't be a bad thing because uh, when we gather for food, a lot more happens than eating, right? A lot of bonding happens, a lot of fellowship, a lot of ministering to one another happens. And we saw that within the earliest disciples as well. Um, and so I want to kind of kick off this Easter tide season, make you think about it. For me, for the first time, think about how I want to celebrate the closeness of Christ, but also it has this kind of like mounting, building beauty to it that culminates in being sent out. And just in God's timing, we are going to have this 40 days, probably, of mounting, building, feasting, fellowshipping, celebrating, and then we're going to say a prayer here one day and be sent down to Taunton to see how God will use us preaching in that city uh, for the first time. It's remarkably, eerily, beautifully, sovereignly parallel the Easter season this year with our particular church family. And so I wanted to kind of share that with you. Sometimes we see ourselves in context and read scripture, it can come alive to us. I encourage you to gather together as a church family more in this next month than you have before. People in homes together, people in backyards, uh, around campfires with the nice weather, those sorts of things, anticipating what is next. Because it will be this time where we kind of like pull in together with Christ that will be our strength. Christ will be our strength in the next season, directly proportionate to how we center around him. So we've been locked. This is New England. We've been locked in our houses for winter. It's not winter anymore. Christ is risen. And we need to uh, come out of our hibernation and really be together in this season before God moves us forward to the next one. So all of this to say, um, the way that it began for them, this Easter tide season, is the way I would like it to begin for us as well. And that is with uh, a moment of renewal. And that's what I would like for myself this morning and what I would like for each of you. Because they didn't just start feasting, right? First they were crying and they were praying and they were doubting. I'm thinking of Mary crying by the empty tomb. I'm thinking of the, the room that was filled with believers that Jesus appeared to. I'm thinking of doubting Thomas. Uh, there were some people who just went back to their old jobs. Peter, James, John. Uh, Andrew, Nathaniel, these men just went back because before they were convinced, before this became a season of celebration, they fell again and needed to be renewed by Christ. And it's been my experience that in Easter holidays for us as well, uh, in kind of like the modern era, uh, the week after Easter is like a week of exhaustion and a week of like feeling low. There's something so high and beautiful and joyful about Easter Sunday that the following week and the following Sunday has this feeling of sort of like depletion. I want to give you permission to feel that way, give myself permission to feel that way. Recognize that in that aftermath, Jesus went to them one by one. Do you remember the two men walking down the road to Emmaus? They were the questioners, all these questions. What about Jesus? What about this? How could it be? He met them where they were. So if this aftermath of Easter has left you with questions and uncertainty, Jesus will come find you. He'll meet you where you are. He'll gather us in like a shepherd and like the sheep, put us together, show us his love. There was a funeral here yesterday morning, maybe because of the passing of a loved one uh, or other things going on in your life. You're just in a place of grief. It's okay. He came right to Mary as she was crying and said, Mary, you know, he saw her, he knew her. 
And he brought in the grieving ones. He brought in the doubting ones. He says, here's your answers. Here's your evidence, Thomas. You want to see more? I can show you more. To all the people who said, yeah, well, that's great, but I'm just going back to life as usual. He met them while they were fishing. He said, there's a lot bigger things to be done than just back to the nets. He renewed them. He restored them. And so that's what I would like to start with. I would like to start with a time of prayer where for a couple of quiet minutes, we pray for one another. You can either turn to the person next to you and pray for them or just quietly pray. And then I'd like to pray over us. And then I would like to read from Isaiah 53, which talks about the whole reason for this resurrection and what it means to us. But I would like to start Eastertide with a moment of renewal, asking God to be our strength, focusing on Christ. So I'll just ask that we do that now for just a little while, just a couple of minutes. Just pray. Enjoy a quiet space. You don't have to run anywhere. You don't have to do anything. You can just sit with Jesus, ask him what he wants to say to you this morning, and then we'll, we'll see how he renews us together. Let's just pray. Father God, we confess to you today that if we try to muster strength when we don't have it, that we will be using our own strength instead of relying upon you. So in seasons of feeling low, in seasons of depletion, we pray that you would be our sufficiency, that you would be our strength. Jesus, I ask you to meet with each one of us uniquely right now in this quiet place. For the mourners, the people filled with emotions, I pray that you would have compassion and you would lighten that load and you would sit with them in those feelings. For those who are filled with fear, hiding in their faith, hiding in anxiety. I pray that you would rescue them from being trapped in that isolation. Meet them there, please, Jesus. Those who have 
just put your calling to the side and gone back to their regular lives, I pray that you give them a desire for what you desire for them. And that the everyday and the normal would both become sacred while they are in it, but also pale in comparison to the kingdom you're calling them to build. moment of reflection I'd like to invite anybody while our eyes are still closed while we're still praying here just to call out any scriptures that remind us of God's strength and God's restoration what comes to mind amen Amen. Those are those who are broken in spirits, because theirs is the kingdom of God. Amen. Greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. Amen. Those that wait upon the Lord will renew their strength, mount up on wings like eagles. He is for us who can be against us. Amen. God said, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. my shepherd I shall not be in want
If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. Some trust in horses and some trust in chariots, but we trust in the Lord God Almighty. Father God, as we speak your promises back to you, may they remind us of who you are and who we are in relationship to you. May they remind us of your grace, which is not based upon us, it's based upon you and your glory and your perfection and your mercy. Um, may each of us experience a revival within us, a renewal of our spirits. And that will then let any activity be authentic rather than self-driven. May our lives be the outpourings of your love in us, Father, rather than strivings of us to get to you. You are with us and you are good. There is no place we can go where you are not there. You go before us and you are behind us. And so we stand confident. We stand strong. We stand forgiven. Father, I ask your forgiveness on each one of us. Uh, forgiveness for our intentional and our unknowing sins. For our, our weakness that caused us uh, in those moments to walk away from you. To doubt you. To deny you. We are not different from your first disciples. We are your disciples. We are the same. And so we ask you for the same restoration. The same renewal. The same forgiveness. Like Peter, may you ask us three times, do you love me? And may our renewal be the beginning and the cornerstone of everything that comes after. We thank you for your, your goodness and your sacrifice on our behalf, Jesus. Please call us to lay ourselves at your feet to sacrifice as living sacrifices every day of our lives for you and for your kingdom in gratitude for what you've done for us and in expectation, a building, a growing expectation 
not just human emotion, but genuine moving of your spirit. I pray that in this Easter tide, you would bless us with a, a wonderful feeling of your closeness, Jesus. I pray that you would appear to us as you appeared to them. I pray that these next 40 days are filled with encounters with you, Jesus. So we open ourselves to that. We ask you for that. We know that you are the living, risen King. This is well within your capability, uh, but we don't presume to order you about. We simply invite you. We say, Lord Jesus, come. Maranatha, Lord Jesus, please come to us. I pray that you would give us the forgiveness we need so that we could be the, the cleansed, if a little bit broken, vessels that you would love to use in the season ahead. Please speak to us through your word even more and continuing uh, the ways you already have. And uh, bless us and unite us. Bring us together from the places that we scatter when we are tired, the places that we run when we go to hide, the places that we share with no one, the places where we feel lost. Thank you, Jesus, that you are that wonderful shepherd, runs after the sheep, and gathers them in. Please call us each by name. May we recognize your voice when we hear it. And may this season truly be a celebrate, celebration, a, a wonderful 40 days of uh, feasting and joy and fellowship and community and uh, renewal. And it's all in your name we pray. Amen. Let's read Isaiah 53 together, church. This is one of, the, one of the best ones in this collection of writings. It is prophetic. Isaiah 53. It is encouraging. It is descriptive. You know, it explains what's going on with the cross. Um, it's humbling. It puts us all in our place, rightly so, but also elevates us to see what Christ would do for us. And um, it reminds us that we, like sheep, we do go astray. And there's this, this wonderful uh, restoration cycle that God is gracious to go with us through again and again and again. It's never like been too many wanderings on your behalf for Jesus to welcome us back together. Hal, what are you thinking? Um, it's interesting that you started about church history. Yeah. And um, the Easter tides. Yeah. I usually don't speak up, so sorry. Great. <coughs> Share your thoughts, brother. We're talking about uh, Pentecost. Mm. Mm-hmm. It's also the Jewish holiday of Shabbat. Right. Shabbat also means um, Pentecost. Yep. And that's a festival of weeks as well. Mm-hmm. Shafar is also when God gave the Jewish people the Ten Commandments. Mm. The main purpose of the Ten Commandments was to establish rules for worship and to bring people back to God. And mm. isn't that the same purpose that Jesus mm-hmm. is teaching us mm-hmm. at the same time? So I just thought I would mention that it yep. was tied to the Jewish history as well. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. From Passover through to... Um, Yeah, the giving of the Ten Commandments. And so down from the mountain to the people, God gave his truth. And then down from heaven to his people, he gave his spirit. They're meant to go together. And God's timing puts them on the same celebration, the same festival. Thank you. 
Thank you, Hal. Let's just read Isaiah 53 together. I'd like it to kind of reverberate in our minds and hearts. This is what Easter and resurrection is all about. And um, this is what we need. This is where we reset. Isaiah 53 is a beginning point for everything that comes after. And so this, I would love to be a word of renewal for us this morning as well. Isaiah 53, verse 1. Who has believed what they have heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before them like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He, the Messiah, had no form or majesty that we should look at him, no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and he was rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs. He has carried our sorrows. And yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, and yet he opened not his mouth. And like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, like a sheep that before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. <clears throat> By oppression and judgment he was taken away. And as for his generation who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living, living, stricken for the transgression of my people. They made his grave with the wicked and with a rich man in his death. And although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth, yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for sin, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. And by his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous. And he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore I will divide him a portion with the many. He shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. This is the prophet Isaiah. This is hundreds of years before Christ. Think of Easter that we just celebrated. Christ, having no form or majesty, no beauty, he was not popular for his wealth or his looks. He was despised. He was rejected. This was his ministry to us. He bore our griefs. He carried our sorrows. He was crushed by his stripes, the wounds, the whip lashes on his back. We are healed. And why? Verse 6 says, because all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And so the Lord laid on him the sins, the iniquities of us all. Think about he didn't open his mouth like a sheep that is silent. Think about the oppression, the judgment, 
that he was cut off from the land of the living, a grave with the wicked and with the rich. And yet he shall see his offspring. He will continue to make intercession for the transgressors. Whether we're the grieving ones or the doubting ones or the back-to-work ones or the questioning ones, this is what he did for us. And every sin that we've ever committed, he took to the cross. And every sin that we will ever commit, he took to the cross. And what's required from us is simply to come to him and say, please forgive me. And so in a way, our lowness, our weakness is a place where confession and repentance makes a lot of sense. Why are we low? Why are we weak? Well, in the case of the disciples is because they ran, they hid, they were afraid, their fear got the best of them. But Jesus went and he gathered them in. He said, your fear is not too much and your sins are not too much and your denials and your rejections are not too much. But before we can go forward, we have to make it right. And so that's what the cross is about, eternally making right those who will turn to Christ. Uh, but he does this for us on a miniature cycle all the time. Never be too ashamed to go back to Jesus. Think about Peter. He rejected him. Right? Think about Thomas. Unless I see it for myself, I'm never going to believe. These are bigger things sometimes than we even are willing to say. And yet those were forgiven. We are the same as them, and the same price that was paid was for our sake, knowing that all we, like sheep, have gone astray. And so the New Testament fulfillment, how we go from kind of a confession moment to a hopeful moment, needs to take us to John 10, what Jesus himself said. Um, so turn there with me. This is the bookend. This is what takes us from renewal to revival to life. Uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, John chapter 10. Turn there with me and see if you hear Jesus' voice speaking to you as we read this together. All right, let me read this for us. John 10, starting with verse 1. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls out his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. And when he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Now this figure of speech Jesus used with them because they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep, he sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. The wolf snatches them and scatters them. 
He flees because he is a hired hand. He cares nothing for the sheep. But Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock and one shepherd. And for this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me. But I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. So just think about this in the context of Eastertide. Jesus is actually living out what he talked about here. It's a beautiful search and rescue mission. He leaves the flock and goes, leaves the 99 and goes after the one. And the one over here was someone who is kind of going back to their old life. The one over here was someone who was letting their doubts get the best of them. The one over here uh, was the one who was afraid and hiding and burying their faith. And I think for us, I would love for Easter to be the beginning of Eastertide rather than kind of the, the culminating moment in the year. It's not Easter and then done. Easter begins the new life. Easter begins what God is calling us to, even in our own church family. And so I encourage you to think about this sheepfold, this flock, this flock that Jesus is calling and pulling together. Um, I encourage you to lean into the cross as your beginning point, but recognize that you're not meant to be on your own. And if there are some ways, maybe even that this Easter tide season, that you can find a way to celebrate together, that we can bring ourselves together, huddle together, to be prepared for what is coming next, I think that we'll find that the same way that Jesus restored each of them in exactly the ways they need it, gave them exactly the energy and the joy and the strength and the vision they needed, so that they were ready, so when his power came and the time was to go, that they were together that they were renewed and restored, and that they were prepared. This is the season that God is calling us to. And so that is how I wanted to uh, take this Sunday after Easter and uh, kind of challenge us to see what we'll do with it over this next month. But also ask you personally, say, what does Jesus need to restore or renew in you? A lot of people want revival on large scales, but they don't realize it comes from renewal on individual scales. That's where revival comes from. We can pray for countries to be revived, but it's going to happen because individuals are renewed. Revival and renewal are the same word. It's the same concept. Um, one describes the larger movement and one describes the root. So unless we are renewed, unless each of us experience revival in our heart, we will not be a part of any bigger revival. But just like Jesus started with individuals and he restored and renewed Peter, and that was good, because Peter then restored and renewed others, and they were together. He did the same for Thomas. He said, okay, I'm going to restore your faith, because you've gotten too skeptical and jaded. And that was good to start with Thomas, because then Thomas expanded that kingdom outward. Um, so I'd like to challenge us to call out to Jesus for that kind of renewal this Eastertide season, to do it together. Maybe, I was thinking, what would this look like for various of us? And I thought, what if some of us just gathered and sung some Easter hymns, 
sometime over the next couple of weeks. Continue the Easter celebration. Uh, what if some of us got together for a meal before the meal you know, read part of the Easter story? Easter isn't the done. Easter is the beginning. We're living in this Easter tide season. And I hope it is this foundational thing that helps us hit the next stage ready rather than find ourselves falling back into all the things that are so easily drawing us away from Christ. So we're going to head into a time of communion, which is the ultimate celebration of unity. It's the ultimate celebration of renewal. Um, but as the music team comes forward, as we introduce the communion itself, I'd like to ask us to just take another few minutes to kind of reflect. Maybe let some music be in the background and uh, just take a moment with the Lord and ask Him what in us needs to be renewed. How will we experience revival? How can we build it together so that our momentum, our community can expand? Uh, and how can we prepare for what God is going to do next in our own lives? So, music team, let's come forward. Everyone else, please just take a few minutes to pray and then we'll, we'll head into the Lord's Supper.